And, uh, and uh, he would say, listen, when you're in solitary confinement and you're surrounded by four white walls all day, there's nothing else to read. You've done this now for 10 years. You have a choice. You can either lose your mind or you can choose to be happy where yeah. you are. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder Show. Uh, today's a special episode. Uh, it's going to be doing it uh, on my own. I don't have my co-host Adam, so uh, probably be stumbling and fumbling a lot. But luckily, we got a really great guest here who's very interesting. So mm -hmm. he'll be able to hopefully make me look good. So without <laughs> further ado, I want to welcome from Chattanooga, Tennessee, Frankie <laughs> Martinez. Frankie, yeah. how you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Luis. Doing well. A little under the weather, so you might hear me cough once or twice, but uh, okay. not, not, nothing big. It's that time of year, right? <laughs> yeah, we all got it. Kids got it first, and uh, but it's nothing, yeah, not, not, nothing major. Okay, so. no worries. Well, don't be afraid to, you know, just put up for a timeout if you need to pause or anything. All, all right. right. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, so Frankie, tell me a little bit about you. So, you know, for the listeners to know, I met Frankie earlier this year at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. I actually already knew his cousin. He comes out with us every year. And uh, as soon as we met, I'm like, all right, this guy, we need to get him on the Wayfinder show because he's a badass. So we want to, you know, share a little bit about your story and let people get to know you a little more and how you went on uh, to get to where you are right now. So why don't we stop, start, you know, a, a little further back, because I'm always fascinated by the immigrant story. I, I know you're Cuban and your family's from Cuba and, and you were born there as well, right? Yeah, I was born in Cuba. We came, uh, we immigrated to the United States when I was 10 years old. Um, our immigrant story, at least the getting here part, isn't your typical Cuban or even immigrant story, really. Um, it was, as far as I knew, you know, as a 10-year-old, we just moved to another country the way people move to another city. You know, we took an airplane and, and we were here. I probably found out we, we were coming a month prior. Um, my parents kept it on the DL because uh, unlike many other countries, leaving Cuba is, uh, especially at the time, you were seen as an enemy of the state. And we were a pretty religious family also. So uh, religion, which was also an enemy of the state, and then now you're leaving the country, you were a real enemy of the state. And on top of that, my parents, uh, their profession, you were an even bigger enemy of the state if you decided to leave. So my parents kept me, you know, they they kept me in the dark until about a month prior to coming. Mm. Um, I'd say our, my real story started after we got here. Um, it was a lot of growing up and a lot of uh, a lot of lessons that I think people learn later on in life. Uh, I had the opportunity or the, or whatever you want to call it to learn them when I was a lot younger. And I don't think it's really particular. I don't think it's just me. I think it's most really young immigrant kids, uh, go through a lot of things I went through. Yeah. So uh, you, you touched on a couple of things that I want to go back. First of all, your parents profession, you could yeah. you elaborate on that. Yeah. So my mom was a medical doctor, um, okay. and my dad was a teacher, yeah. uh, Teachers, you know, the country doesn't, you know, Cuba is a communist country. Uh, they they give everyone free education. Whoever wants to go to school can go to school for free. But then mm -hmm. they say, hey, if we taught you for free, you got to work for us for X amount of time. And so if you decide that you're going to leave the country, we're, we're going to punish you because mm -hmm. we gave you the free education. Mm -hmm. Now, communist countries are like that. That's how Cuba is. Uh, so, uh, my dad's case, he, as soon as he found out he was going to leave the country when I was, uh, three years old. So the process took seven years. I later found out, I didn't know mm. this. Mm. They left legally, but it took seven years. 
soon as he found out he you know he put in for a leave he quit his job and he started just you know doing odds and ends just whatever he could do to make a buck my mother on the other hand she couldn't do that and so as a doctor uh, in cuba when you go to leave the country to come to the united states they make you do uh what's called a, a period of uh, time where you have to do a mission and so for most doctors that's they send you to an area that's you know underprivileged or un, you know whatever uh no running water things like that we were fortunate in that we didn't have to do that however for her to be liberated and that's literally what it's called it's uh, liberation papers mm -hmm. uh we have to wait seven years oh wow uh, because she was a doctor so uh, every profession you know is different but doctors have you know doctors for cuba is almost like a national currency they exchange doctors with other countries for goods mm -hmm. um and so when a doctor wants to leave they're gonna have to pay the price gotcha so what to do yeah i know uh cuban doctors are kind of world renowned right like their education yeah. system for medicine is is pretty well regarded yeah, yeah growing up they were uh i don't know how it is anymore you know like i said i sure. left cuba when i was 10 but yeah I when i first came i remember that was always like a big deal wow your mom's yeah. a cuban doctor but then she left uh, being a cuban doctor to come uh, become a, a cuban housekeeper yeah uh, so <laughs> you know that's where the real story begins for not just myself, but most immigrant kids, um, right. you know, my parents come to the United States and, you know, we lived in a poor country and whatnot, but when you, you know, when you're a doctor, you get respect anywhere in the world. And so my parents right. were respected and my dad always kind of, you know, did his own thing. And, and then we get to the States and it was just, Hey, we got to make a living. However, we don't speak English. Fortunately, they were documented but we we didn't speak English. Um, and so back in uh, those days, my parents got a job. They each were working at, uh, at a big hotel chain as housekeepers, cleaning hotel rooms mm. and in, you know, less than $6 an hour as uh, housekeepers, you know, for the yeah. hotel. Wow, that's humbling. What was the point of entry? You know, when I think of Cubans... Uh, yeah i think of miami right and but yeah, you're in chattanooga that, tennessee so that was yeah man this was a long trajectory uh okay. miami was the point of entry but the way that we came uh we had a sponsor and so the sponsor lived in uh missouri in the jefferson city area of missouri and oh, wow. so sponsor said hey we want you guys to come live over here so we went to missouri we lived in missouri for my entire growing up you know i i moved out of missouri when i was 18 i met my wife uh well she's my wife now but i met her uh and uh she was from miami she's cuban-american but she was born in the states and you know her parents came kind of like me when when they were young and so i came to uh i moved to miami and we lived there for I mean, I moved there, we dated, we got engaged, got married. Um, and then from there, we went to Puerto Rico. Mm. Uh, we lived in Puerto Rico for a year and a half. Uh, really, I mean, there's other little reasons why we went to Puerto Rico, but the, the real big reason was because we thought it'd be fun. You know, we had just <laughs> been married. We had a little business that would, that sustained us financially and uh, didn't have to be on site, you know, for that business. And so we uh, <clears throat> we ended up, uh, we thought, hey, this would be fun. You know, so eight months or 10 months after we got married, we moved to Puerto Rico and we both went to school in Puerto Rico for, like I said, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we come to Chattanooga from Puerto Rico because my wife got a residency at a local hospital here. Wow. And I wanted to finish my degree at a local university. So we came to Chattanooga. We figured we'd only be here for a year. I'd finish school. And then we'd go probably back to Miami or Kansas City. That's where we had family. But as luck would have it, we ended up really liking the Chattanooga area. And then her family, yeah. uh, her family really liked this area as well. And so the circumstances at the time allowed themselves for uh, them to be able to move up here. Um, so we were able to just the way things worked out, uh, we were able to buy a house and her family actually moved in with us. And mm -hmm. then uh, they all uh, built their own houses and uh, whatnot. And uh, so then her entire family left Miami and came to Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, then my family followed after. 
so we we really yeah we we planted a flag here in Chattanooga, and then everyone else followed, and everyone liked it. So you established a Cuban enclave essentially in Chattanooga. So we have a community here in Chattanooga now. We have a uh, what do we call it a, a commune? Yeah. Because I live, you know, we live. Our house is right here. Our father-in-law, or my father-in-law rather, uh, lives right next door to us. Uh, he uh, right next door to us. My brother-in-law lives next door to that. <laughs> and my uh, grandparents-in-law live uh, in the property next to ours as well. And then my parents are 20 minutes away. So, yeah, we it's a, one of the biggest blessings in my life, man. After having, you know, healthy kids has been uh, to be able to have family so close by. I cherish it every day. That's great. Yeah. So what were you studying when you went to, the, while you were in China, when you first got there? So when I was in Chattanooga, I studied theology. Um, yeah. Actually, more specifically, I studied religious studies, but you know, short of it is theology, uh, which is what like pastors or priests uh, right. go to school for. Um, and yeah, there was a, the the denomination that I was a part of had a really good school here, um, and I wanted to go and graduate there. So I started in Puerto Rico. That's why I went there first. But I wanted to graduate from the school here. Yeah. So I did that. And what did what happened? Did you graduate? Yeah, um, I okay. did. I graduated. Uh, I was able to actually graduate early. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> I didn't. Uh, I never really. My my thing was studying theology it was more of just to prove to my to, to give my parents a degree. Hmm. Um, you know, I was a I was a business person at heart my entire life. Yeah. yeah, little kid, my wheels were always turning. And even in Cuba, you know, I was, I, I would do things as a little boy that, you know, other little boys weren't doing, you know, just flipping stuff and whatnot. And I just loved it. But yeah. we were, I grew up in a, in a very strict, very religious, both household and religion. And so uh, when I had my, my first business, I, uh, you know, real business, I, <clears throat> I thought my parents would be really proud of me, you know, because I, I was doing, you know, what, what I considered well, you know, at the time. But uh, my mom, especially, you know, the one that was there's a doctor, she would uh, not she, she would never express pride, you know, mm-hmm. on the contrary. She would just she would always say, like, when are you going to get an education? You know, when are you going to go to school? At this point, I was a high school dropout, by the way. Oh, wow. So I went to high school. I, I hated school. After I came to the United States, I, I did not like school at all. I just absolutely despised school. And uh, I, I was, I was, I was, a, you know, I knew I was pretty smart school wise and whatnot, but I just, man, I hated it. So I would skip class as much as possible. And I, to me, it was just, I didn't like it. Um, so I convinced my parents to let me homeschool my last year in school. And really, it was more just a way for me to get. Uh, I, I thought if I homeschool, I can do this really fast and get it over with. So I started homeschooling, and about three months into my senior year, I got an email from the authority from the homeschooling place saying, "Hey, uh, we can't accept a lot of your credits, which means you're really a sophomore now. So you've basically <laughs> lost." Years. I was like, "Man, I'm doing this because I hate school, and now <laughs> you have to go back." So. I went, I went to go uh, get my GED. I figured, whatever, I'll just get a GED. I don't even care for college. I'll probably end up having to get a college degree one day, but I don't, this isn't my thing. So I went to get a GED and, you know, the test was, let's just say January 10th. So I showed up January 10th and the lady said, your name's not on the list. Oh. So I said, oh no, well, class, you know, enrollment now is, is next week. So what do I do? And she said, well, what do you want to do, go to college? And I said, yeah, I guess so. And uh, she said, well, I'll tell you what, you got to sign up for the GED classes, but uh, I'll give you a special pass so you can go ahead and enroll in college classes without your GED. You just got to make sure you get your GED before you graduate. So I said, okay. <laughs> so so you know, my wife doesn't like it when I say it like this. She's like, man, you sound dumb. But I was a high school dropout. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a GED. I didn't have anything. And I was, the entire time I was taking college classes and the only reason i was uninterested in college classes i I didn't have a major i was taking them because my wife was the complete opposite she was you know graduated summa cum laude she was the best student in her class 
et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, and, and, and she was on a fast track, uh, program to become a doctor. And so I was like, man, I can't have my girlfriend be a doctor and me, you know, at least I got to take some college classes, you know, how embarrassing. Yeah. So taking online college classes, I don't even think she knew that I didn't even have a GED. Yeah. Uh, so when we decided, Hey, let's go to Puerto Rico. And I applied to this program. It was all hinging on me being able to pass the test for the GED, uh-huh. which again, like I said, I didn't like. And uh, this was during the NBA playoffs back in 2012. And it was so difficult for me because every all my friends were watching the playoffs and I had to go take this dumb GED test. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, luckily I passed it. Uh, but yeah, Luis, so I, you know, when I studied theology because my mom really wanted me to study something and there was nothing that I was interested in, I couldn't see myself in a career as a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or uh, anything. And yeah. so I, I studied this because I thought it would be interesting. Never really thinking I'm going to be a pastor. Sure. That being said, I was always careful not to close doors or burn bridges. My mother-in-law would always teach me that. Um, and so I was careful not to, but that was never my intention. Yeah. But you did uh, eventually start to <laughs> yeah. start that path, right? You you became a pastor or assistant pastor? I did. I, did. Yeah. I was assistant pastor for three years. So I yeah. graduated. You know, in short, I, I received a calling. So... Um, one of my professors, there was a church that needed a pastor. And one of my professors said, Hey, you know, you really should talk to this guy. So, uh, I went and I, you know, interviewed and went through the process and they said that I was a good fit. So I did that for a few years, but it was, it was my full-time thing. So I was dedicating myself to that full-time, but it was a part-time job. So it was, you know, really, you can't, you can't raise a family. At that point I had one, I had my first son. You can't raise a family on a part-time job. Luckily, my wife had a good job, uh, but I didn't. I didn't feel right just depending on my wife's job forever, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, I I really enjoyed my time as a pastor. It, it, was, it was one of the things I've done in my life that I've enjoyed the most. Hmm. It was really enjoyable. I really liked it, even though that's never what I wanted to do. Uh, but I knew that long term, that wasn't going to be my thing because for several reasons. But the main reason was the denomination that hired me tends to move their pastors around, um, mm. you know, taking a place four to five years. And then, hey, you know, we think you would serve better here or there or the other. And as we already spoke, my entire family moved to the area following us. Mm-hmm. So feel like it would be the a sensible thing to say well thanks for moving but you know now i'm gonna go to such and such state to go work as a pastor so we just didn't think that was right um so even though i enjoyed it um towards probably the last year and a half or so of my pastoral journey i started uh what turned out to be the business that we have now and so as we dedicated time to it to that business we decided to uh you know i decided to you know take us take a step back from pastoring um and for a short while i stayed in that church also as a as a you know an elder uh helping with young adults etc but it was always an arrangement of like look i'll stay here um until you guys get you know another pastor and they were able to get another one and so i was able to step away from that so what what is the business you're in now so business I'm in now is real estate. We are we are not real estate agents. Uh, we're real estate investors. Um, we we buy uh, real estate. We sell real estate. Uh, my function in our business is developing the real estate. Um, so Ernesto, who you mentioned earlier, uh, he work he he and I work together. He's uh, in charge of all of our uh, wholesaling operation of our real estate uh, business. So really, for those that don't know, he's really in charge of all the buying. He's the one that goes out and meets with people and uh, figures out whether or not it's it's a deal or not. Uh, um, and then what to do with that deal if it is a deal. So, hey, is this a deal that we want to just buy and resell as is? Uh, we don't have to do much. There's a little bit of meat on the bone there. So we'll sell it to another investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a deal that we'll want to uh, uh, buy and hold um, as a rental. 
that's always our number one priority, you know, finding things that we can hold long term. Or is this a deal that uh, typically it's a land deal that we need to purchase to develop and, you know, build houses. And so typically when it's one that we're going to develop and build houses, that's when I come in and, you know, we discuss and come up with a best plan. But yeah, that that's what we do. So we work with uh, um, private investors. We work with banks. We work with uh, hard money companies, which are companies kind of like banks uh, that mm-hmm. lend out um, at a bit of a higher interest rate with more exposure. Um, and, uh, and and I can honestly tell you, and and I didn't. It, it didn't just happen. I wasn't just a pastor, and all of a sudden, I became a real estate investor. Right. Um, that you know, that was a journey within itself. But it was a very. I can tell you that I'm very happy doing what I do now. That's good. And I, I want to ask about how that connects to pastor being a pastor as well. But, but yeah. before that, I'm curious, what did you get in? You're doing a lot of different things in real estate now, right? Yeah. And without getting too technical, yeah. like what, what was the point of entry? Did you start by, uh, you know, in, in development or construction or wholesaling or what did you do? Mm-hmm. And how did, how did that path develop? Yeah, so I I started in, in through construction. Um, okay. It. Uh, so were you swinging a hammer? And I, I was swinging a hammer when I realized, hey, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be, I can't be a pastor. This isn't gonna work out for me long term. I can't make this my my career. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I've got to do something else. I had to basically reinvent myself. You know, I had a business when I was younger. It was a retail business. Uh, it did well. It was very stressful. It was great profit margins, et cetera, but it was a very stressful business. And it, it frankly wasn't a business I wanted to get back into. So I, I just knew that's not it. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, so so what do I do, you know? And so uh, my dad, when I was a little, when I was a young, you know, little boy, he would, uh, he, he bought a couple of houses and fixed them up while we lived in them and whatnot. And so I, I always tell people, I knew how to not look weird with a hammer in my hand, but you didn't want me using it. Uh, so that was kind of the extent of my construction knowledge. I was always my dad's helper, you know, yeah. um, I could do things, but it wasn't professional. But my brother-in-law who now lives right next door to me, <laughs> he, he, uh, he and I, you know, we became just, we, we hit it off and we became really good friends. As soon as I met his sister, he's a year younger, younger than me. And we're, we're like brothers. And so <clears throat> he left on an experience to travel America in a Volkswagen bus, an old 70s bus. Super huh. cool. Uh, you can check it out on uh, YouTube. His YouTube channel is Van Gabonders. Huh. If I shout him out, it was, it was absolutely awesome. Okay. And uh, anyway, he takes off down in uh, Colorado. And he was kind of like me. I mean, he had done college and he'd, he'd done all these different things, but he didn't really know what to do with life. And so when he breaks down in, in Colorado, not only did his bus break down, he all his wallet was broken too. He had <laughs> run out of money. And he he connected with an old friend from high school there. And that old friend's fiance was uh in the remodeling business. Uh this guy and his dad remodeled like million dollar homes. Uh, I think they were outside of Boulder, I think it's where it was. Anyways, they were in a suburb of Colorado. Yeah, And they remodeled just like very nice, I guess million dollar homes is not a big deal in Colorado. They remodeled very <laughs> nice, big Especially houses. in Boulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they remodeled super nice homes. And uh, he worked with them for a year and got just like a one-on-one training with this guy. He was just like me. Didn't look funny with a hammer. Didn't want, you didn't want him using it. He got great training with this guy. So when my daughter is born, he comes to visit and I basically I talked to him and uh, we had three acres next to ours, uh, you know, our place. And I said, Chris, you know, stick around, man, like build yourself a house here. Let's start a business now that you actually know how to do stuff. He did a present for his grandparents. He remodeled their floor like and it looked great. Uh, I was like, man, I think I can sell some flooring jobs if they're going to look this good. So we started our business, I, I promise you, with zero dollars. Like yeah. we had zero dollars. Uh, here's what I had. I had a pickup truck and I had a wife that could pay the bills. Mm. Had a part-time job. Uh, so, you know, that was that was some help. And it was a flexible hours job. 
as a pastor. And uh, we had a camper parked here on our property. So Chris, being a bachelor, I was like, look, live in the camper. Let's let's try to get this thing up off the ground. You can live there for free. And so that's literally how we started. We started selling jobs and not taking any money home. In fact, we didn't buy our tools. We didn't have a saw. We had nothing. Okay. <laughs> we didn't we didn't buy our first like little set of tools till we had the first job to pay for them. Yeah. And we got that first job. We bought the tools and then another job and another job. And nice. We opened a business banking account and got a thousand dollars in there and then two and then three and then back down to two because we get a flat tire yeah and then three again and it was just like all the time and you know but we we always knew hey this is a season we're gonna this this is gonna lead us somewhere we neither one of us wanted to to be flooring contractors our whole life yeah um, and we were able to save up enough money to get our first employee who happens to now be my brother-in-law's brother-in-law so my mm. brother-in-law, uh, so him and his daughter and his uh, sister. But anyway, <clears throat> so we got our first employee. Uh, uh, we saved up enough money to make sure that even if we had slow weeks, we could still keep them busy, you know, somehow. Right, right. Um, and I knew I wanted to get into the investing, you know, side of things. But A, you know, investing, thats that just sounds like a lot of money. Um, you know, you, you gotta be Warren Buffett to be an investor, right? Sure. Uh, in real estate. So, so first it's, man, where are we going to get all this money? And then B, how do you even start? You know, we know how to do floors and patch drywall and things like that and paint, but you know, not how to do a whole house. So little by little, just saving up our money and, uh, just grinding, you know, we didn't take a paycheck for an entire year. Yeah or even more than that little by little we just we saved money and then uh we were able to buy our first flip and work on on that and uh and learn how to fix up more you know more than just floors and drywall and whatnot so uh our first real flip we i i go to look at a townhouse that a guy is selling and uh and we were looking for something you know we were, we were I, I don't know where i saw this on facebook or craigslist or something but this guy is selling this duplex and uh i get there and i realized right away like ah oh, this is this isn't no this isn't a fixer upper i wish i would have bought it by the way now you know whatever it is six years later i wish i would have bought it even though it wasn't a fixer upper then uh compared to today's prices but <laughs> i look at it and I tell the guy, look, I uh, appreciate it, man. It's not for me. Um, said, but, you know, I, uh, I'm i a contractor. I, we do all these different things. If you need anything, you know, let me know. So that evening, the guy texted me and was like, hey, I've got another house I'm fixing up. Uh, you want to look at it with me? Um, I had a contractor come and burn me on it. Mm. So I said, uh, said, sure. So I went the next day, looked at it. And uh, we, at this point, we had a lot of work. We had a lot of work doing what we were doing. So um, I looked at it and I told him, I'll send you a, a, you know, an estimate. So I sent him an estimate that night and our estimate sheet always said on the bottom, please pay 30% down, you know, upon agreeing to do the work or whatever. And typically people would call you and they want to discuss and this and that. I, I put together pretty good scopes of work. And this guy, I sent that to him. And then like an hour later, I got an email saying that, you know, we had a 30% deposit, you know, and it was, mm. it wasn't 300 bucks, you know, it was a considerable amount of money. And so I thought, Oh, okay, I guess this guy wants it done. So I sent him an email and I said, Look, man, I appreciate, you know, so putting the deposit, we can't start for two weeks, but we'll get it done in a week. So he said, All right, no problem. Mm. So we went out there, <clears throat> we knocked it out for him. And like the time that we told him we were going to do, do it, and I told them, I said, look, we have, we've, we've got some money saved up. Um, and we would like to be equity partners on a deal. If, uh, if one comes up and you need a partner, let, let, let us know. And so like three days later, he's like, Hey, a deal came up. I need a partner. And we looked at it and it was today. And we've done over a hundred houses, probably closer to 200 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, today it was like top three worst houses. Really? maybe top two how's we ever yeah. done 
we did it. We partnered up and we made good money. And then this guy kept bringing deals and we kept reinvesting the funds and reinvesting. And then a similar thing happened with new construction and learning how to do new construction. And then we got our builder's license and uh, everything. You know, we we've grown our business uh, without being super intentional, honestly, about growing our business. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was really more of like, uh, here's the next deal and here's the next deal. Here's the next deal. Sure. And before you knew it, you had this this whole business with a brand and payroll and employees and yeah. and all the things that people have, you know, uh, and, and which is a blessing. But my partner sure. and I say it all the time. This was this was never the intention. You know, this was a byproduct. Sure. And and now you do construction just for your own deals, then, right? You're not doing. Oh, oh you're no. still doing. You still have the construction company too. Yeah. So we have the construction company. Here's what happened. My brother-in-law and I. We, it was kind of a long story, but it was a by necessity. We uh, we bought a dump trailer because we were doing these flips and we were spending so much money on dumpsters. We bought a dump trailer and then we would keep the dump trailer full all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we went out and he, my brother-in-law and I had the, the construction business. And then this other partner, we had the, the flipping stuff. Right. So my brother-in-law and I would rent the dump trailer to the flip and we would rent it to other people etc and that just kind of took off to where my brother-in-law and i no longer have a construction company we don't we don't do construction we have a dumpster business uh we have just roll off dumpsters you know yeah yeah great business yeah um so that's 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 what he does full-time now and i'm an investor with him in that business uh, we no longer do construction the construction that we do now is for uh, renewed property buyers it's it's our it's our real estate business. Yeah. Um, it's a business that I have with this other individual. His name's Alec. Um, so all the construction that we do is for our own deals. Right. We don't, That's we don't fix things for people. I think that may have been your question. We don't fix yeah. things for people. We don't, we don't even build houses for people. It's just our own stuff. Gotcha. And that renewed property buyers just buy and hold type of stuff? Value add? Yeah. So renewed property buyers is like, you know, it's the marketing name. It's uh, this right yeah. here. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bear. And uh, but of course, there's different entities inside of that. And so uh, we're a general contractor yeah. uh, for again. We 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 built to hold. Um, we fixed to hold. Uh, we built to sell, and we fixed to sell. Mostly, yeah. what we're doing in this economy is build to sell. Um, okay. Interest rates being where they are now, it's become difficult for us to hold on to things. Sure. We're still doing it. Uh, we got four doors that we're in the middle of refinancing right now that we're built to hold. Um, but it's it, it's it's more difficult, you know, with the sure. high numbers, uh, uh, interest rates that we're having to pay versus what you know we're paying a year ago. Sure. So you mentioned earlier when you were talking about being a pastor that you really enjoyed the work, but yeah. you pretty much left it because. You couldn't make it, you know, just didn't make ends meet pretty much, it sounds like, right? And then you really uh, enjoy what you're doing now. Yeah. What is it about the two that you, because they're very different in my mind, right? <laughs> Being a pastor versus, you know, rehabbing yeah. houses. And what yeah. is it? Is there a common uh, denominator there? Well, they were both working with people. Um, yeah. My job here now is more of just a people manager and, uh, uh coordinating things i like i really like project-based work i've always liked projects something i'm not a detailed person i'm more of a big picture person um which sounds really good until you have details (laughs) yeah no i'm I'm the same and so as a pastor I got to work one-on-one with young people and whatnot, but I really liked doing the programs and the, and the, and working on projects. Okay. So what's our one-year goal for the young people at our church this year? And how are we going to achieve that? You know, and for the business the same way, you know, every time I start a house um, it's okay. What's the project here? What's the goal? It's the bigger picture. Who needs to come in when to make this happen? So I like that. I like that it's project-based. I also, uh, as as a pastor, I kind of always felt, even though I didn't want to be a pastor, I always kind of felt like that's what God wanted from me. Like I said, mm. like I mentioned, I grew up in a very 
strict religious setting, both at home and at church. And I always felt like that was the only way to please God. Mm -hmm. Um, As a contractor, uh, you know, many things happen between pastoring and and where I'm not and where I am now. But as an investor and dealing with people, uh, I I learned and I've come to peace with the fact that that's not true. Um, and that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, and uh, Christianity is based on, you know, life of Jesus Christ, basically. And, mm-hmm. you know, his one commandment was to love others. Love God and love others, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I spent a long time telling people what it meant to love God and love others. Here's how you love God and here's how you love others. And that's what religion does for you. You know, they they really complicate or in my case, I was really complicating what that meant. And what I've learned over the years is that that means something completely different to everyone. Yeah. You know, And so it's been finding what it means to me to love God and others. And the main thing for me is to be a decent individual decent human being to the people that report to me you know i uh i've got employees from all walks of life um and to some of them i i can tell just by talking to them that in their eyes i'm a really big deal and that they're like afraid almost of talking to me you know um just because of maybe their background a lot of immigrants uh, feel that way towards her boss. And yeah, I really try to take it upon myself to make them feel at ease and that, hey, listen, as long as you're doing a good job, like you've got all my respect, exactly. you know, uh, in fact, you have my respect regardless, but you know, I'm not here to be the big bad boss or whatever. I'm here to do what I think Jesus would want me to do, which is to love you, you know, uh, not to tell you how to act or how to be or how to live or whatever. And so that's, I think that's, that's how probably how they come on, you know, how they yeah. intertwine. Makes sense. So yeah. what what's next? Is there a, how far out are you thinking? Where do you want to take it to? Yeah, uh, it's funny. My partner's birthday was last month and he was telling me the same thing. Uh, you know, we haven't written it down. We haven't put it in writing. Uh, Luis, I don't. People say this all the time. I don't know why, you know, they mean it or not, but I'm as far as my professional life, I'm living my best years. I mean, I absolutely love what I do. Uh, We kind of just kind of went kind of quickly over how I got here. But I specifically remember with my brother-in-law one day going to work and we were tired, man. Like we, we used to floor houses twice as fast as as what you would think i mean just mm-hmm. really fast because there was we really weren't getting paid much so mm-hmm. it was the only way to make it make any sense was we just we would go we didn't don't stop for for lunch nothing just go go yeah. go go yeah and then we'd finish late you know work then we had to go dump out all the trash come home and then next morning you're back at it again super early mm-hmm. i remember going to work one day and just telling him like dude we're not gonna do this forever I don't know where we're going to end up. Heck, we might get into the trash business for all I know. I don't know, but we're not going to do this forever, you know? And now we're just, we've got a full-blown trash company. They're right. <laughs> what I, I, that wasn't so long ago that I forgot, yeah. you know, when I wanted to be building houses, I would look at builders around me and see how they were doing things and partnered up with a builder to learn how to build, mm-hmm. um, and I would look at what they were doing and I would say, man, I can't wait to start building houses. You know, uh, I'm going to do it one day. I, I just really want to do that. And then when I built my first, I was like, man, I can't wait to have so many projects that I feel overwhelmed, you yeah. know, and that wasn't so long ago that I forgot, you know, yeah. so I'm super grateful. Like for us now we're working on perfecting the systems um being able so that i don't have to be there as much so that other people can do what i do to have dependable people doing some of the more uh we've got some really good employees now they've been with us for more than four years but to have people that will do some of the higher and tasks without having to be you know told all the time so just perfecting systems uh we're doing subdivisions um, which, you know, that was another thing that for me, I thought, man, that's going to be forever before I ever do one of those, or I'll probably never do that. Um, we, I guess a more direct, uh, answer to though, is we in our business have been 
talking about shifting some of what we do to uh, raising our own capital and starting our own fund, uh, mm. our capital costs are are very expensive. Um, we, especially we, we now, right? <laughs> especially now, but but yeah. hey, look, even before now, you know, using hard money companies back when oh. hard money hard money was cheap, you know, compared to now, and we we're still paying, you know, way into the six figures just for money costs, you know, and interest wow. rates. So, and, and we're in a business that we feel, we feel very confident in and, and we like to keep a low risk profile. Um, so we we have investors, you know, we have private investors as well. It's by no means the bulk of our business. Uh, It's friends and family at this point, but one thing probably next for us and will happen more, the more I get out of the field and, and stay in the office more is, uh, is to take that fund more seriously. Yeah. Um, so that we can raise some of our own money and uh, use it for our stuff and also lend it out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure we have a lot of listeners here who would love to invest with you. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. So the subdivision, you're saying you're, you're getting whole pieces of raw land and doing all the horizontal on it and then going vertical with them as well, you know, putting, yes. developing them, breaking them up into subplats, the whole nine. Yes. So yeah, you're building whole up. communities. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, so buying the land, um, yeah. just yeah, developing it, you know, putting roads in and all the infrastructure, awesome. uh, um, to the, uh, build houses on them. Excellent. Wow, that's quite the journey, man. I'm really uh, that's inspiring. Congrats, and it's great to see how quickly and and how you know how, uh, but yet very gradually and sequentially how you grow and how you yeah. spin off different things from what you try right like like the dumpster yeah. business that's that's yeah. great you know <clears throat> so it's great but we are um we're kind of at that point now where we like to do our famous wayfinder four okay and so uh hope you're ready for it i'm ready <laughs> all right uh so can you tell us a hack a hack meaning like something you use to yeah. kind of cheat life with <laughs> Man, using the power of leverage in everything you do. I think the best way for somebody real to realize what leverage is is by actually going outside and trying it. You know, get a rock that's too big for you to move, or anything that's too big for you to move, and then get a stick that's really long and try to leverage it and see how that works. That works for everything. That works for credit. You know, credit has been what's allowed us to be able to grow our business to where what it's been to be able to have millions and millions of dollars in loans uh yeah. before before having that kind of millions of dollars in cash that's you know that's uh uh that's leverage yeah. um leveraging relationships you know where people realize like hey this this guy is a real deal um i'm going to invest with him yeah um, so i think leverage in life is is a it's a huge hack figure out what leverage means in your industry and you can triple, quadruple, and 10x what whatever it is that you're doing now. <clears throat> so it might be a philosophical hack, but, no, it's uh, great. but it's a hack nonetheless. Totally. What about a favorite? Could be a book, movie, band, whatever, something. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, man, this is probably going to... Uh, but uh, one of my favorite bands is uh, Nirvana. <laughs> and I found out about Nirvana when I was, I found out about Nirvana for the first time two years ago. You know, I didn't grow up with kind of music. And I thought, in fact, in fact, I had a Nirvana shirt and I didn't know what it was. Coming from a religious background, sure. I, thought that, I thought it meant heaven. You know, we wore the <laughs> shirt and I thought it meant heaven. In fact, one day I was going to wear the shirt to like a church event. And I was like, yeah, wear this shirt. let me not wear this shirt. Because <laughs> I was like, people are going to think that I'm trying to say you should get high so you can experience Nirvana. So yeah. I think that was a band. And uh, I went to uh, Nashville uh, to like the honky tonks, you know, and uh, Broadway there. And uh, this guy was performing a song that was just absolutely, I mean, he killed it. Yeah. I like, got to find that song. And I found it and it was in bloom by Nirvana. Uh, and then I started listening to their stuff. I, re- I really, really liked it. So uh, that's great. Probably one of my favorite bands right now. Okay, I don't know what I find more amazing: your story or the fact that you just found out when Nirvana is like two years me. ago. 
right. Yeah. That's funny. I'm telling you, man. I, yeah. Yeah. So what is some advice you would give your younger self that you know now, but didn't know then? So I was, uh, I just spent this past weekend, uh, my wife and I went and uh, spent some time with a couple that are really good friends of mine. I actually know them since, since I was a little boy in Cuba. They've both done very well for themselves. Uh, she and her business, he and his, they've done very well for themselves. And we were talking about that. And we, we all agree that the number one piece of advice that we would give anyone and that I would give myself as a younger person in business is to stick with whatever it is you're going to do, stick mm -hmm. with it, regardless of what other things may come that are bright and shiny and seem like they're really good. Stick with whatever it is that you're doing. Now, some young people don't know what it is that they want to do. Okay. And so, which was my case for a while, you know, when Absolutely. you don't know what you're going to do, then sure, you can try things and, you know, go and, and try to figure it out. But my partner uh, is always talking about the one thing, the book, I don't know if you know about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Uh, but that, that one thing book uh, in my life, I feel like, then again, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do now, but I'll tell you this, my first business that I had when I was 18 years old, I later on, this couple of friends of mine, I later on kind of helped them get into that same business. And today, uh, she, it's, it's her business now, she has grown her own brand. Uh, she has done tremendously well for herself. You know, I thought I was doing good. She has absolutely killed it in that, in that uh, she can retire, okay, in that wow. realm. And, uh, and it was just because she stuck with it. And in fact, as we were talking about it, she said, and I told them, you know, I feel this way. She said, if I would have stuck with this sooner, in the sense of if I would have really honed in and said, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to be, and this is what I'm going to yeah. do my entire life. If I would have started sooner, I would have been way better off, even better off than I am now. So stick man. with it. Find your that, thing, stick with it. That's such good advice, man. It's one of those that, you know, took me way too long to recognize. Yeah. Especially, I don't even think it's the, the shiny object syndrome that makes you get away as much as um just uh when you hit a roadblock right and you yeah. quit yeah and that's really like what happened to me you know with no eight with real estate and i got out for yeah. a while and now you know it took me a while to get back in i gotta start from scratch and it's like yeah it's a lot harder the second time you yes. know and it's like if i had stuck with it from the beginning no matter what yeah it was painful yeah. but wow where could i have been so yeah I, I think that's really good advice so thank you yeah, I think we've all gone through a yeah, similar, you know. Totally. What about, uh, what is it that you think keeps people from being happy? I, I, I think probably following the wrong thing and looking for happiness in the wrong places. I know that's a big thing to say, but uh, hmm. I wish I could remember his name now. <clears throat> but the ex-president of, I want to say it was Uruguay, he was one of these Malcolm X characters or uh, not Malcolm X, but uh, uh, shoot. I can't believe I can't remember this guy's name. Um, big activist, human rights activist, Mandela. Okay. Oh, he was a yeah, big, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was like the Nelson Mandela of Uruguay. And uh, he spent a couple decades in prison. I don't know how long he spent in solitary confinement. I, Right. I uh, watched an interview of his a long time ago. I think his name is Gustavo something. And uh, very simple man. You know, he was a president for in his entire term that he was a president. He he drove a Volkswagen buggy and he wasn't even living in the presidential palace. He would go back to his he had a little shack in the woods. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he would say, listen, when you're in solitary confinement and you're surrounded by four white walls all day, there's nothing else to read. You've done this now for 10 years. You have a choice. You can either lose your mind or you can choose to be happy where yeah. you are. And I think personally, personally, I'm always looking for the next big thing to make me happy. And yeah. I think that's the human condition. We're always looking for what's the next thing that we can do to make us happy. And, you know, in my family and my friends and my surrounding, the people that I see the happiest are not the ones that have the most. 
but are the ones that know how to live the most in the moment with what it is that they have. That's right. And so that's, that's right. what I think people from being happy. That's great. So, Frankie, where if people want to know more about you, how how can they uh, go about doing so? Well, I don't have a blog post. I don't have a uh, a, a blog. I don't have a uh, a podcast. Um, but uh, more than happy to answer any questions, especially if you've got if you if you're doing what I do now. Um, if you've got questions with that and would like to uh, just want to ask some general questions about it. Hey man, I want to get into what you do. I'm in such and such place. Can you help me? I've helped others. Uh, that's not a service that I provide, so I don't charge for that. Um, my one thing is developing real estate. So I don't charge for other things. Frankie with a Y F R A N K Y at renew property buyers.com. You can email me there. And if you really want to talk to me, you can do some research probably and uh, figure out at least an off. Uh, but it's F-R-A-N-K-Y at renewpropertybuyers.com. Right. And any investors out there that want to, you know, find have some money that they want to park somewhere with a, a really uh, great developer who's uh, knows what he's doing yeah. and, and going to give you a good return. I think, uh, should also make note of that email and give you a call. Is that is that all right? Uh oh. Yeah, you're cutting up there a little bit, but I think so. I think I understood what you said. Um, yeah, that's that would be the best way to reach us, and we can kind of tell you the terms and whatnot that we pay. We're uh, I don't know if we can say the date right now, but we're in 2023, um, mm -hmm. and our rates range between eight. Our rates for investors be, uh, range between eight and ten percent. Um, which is money backed by real estate. So it's, uh, and it's backed by real estate. It's worth a lot more than what you're investing in it. So That's if, right. if people, people that are in that field, they want to know more about it. They're, uh, more than, I'm more than, more than happy to answer any questions. We do have a minimum that we, you know, take from investors just so that we don't have a, you know, yeah, a great no, pool of people. And also because of we have, we can't just take anyone. So, but yeah, they can talk to me like that as well. Excellent. Well, thank you, Frankie. Hey, man, it's um, it's been a real joy. I think you're gonna a lot of people are gonna hear the story and get inspired. And uh, I love yeah. the way you've done it. You've done it, or you know, through grinding, and you know, and and with a lot of uh, intentionality and, and purpose behind you. And that that uh, it's really inspiring, man. And I really appreciate you sharing your story, and um, look forward <clears throat> to hearing it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. I hope it is inspiring. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.